That's right, you've been listening to WTHC, Block Island's favorite radio station, playing all of your favorite tunes from the past, the present, and the future. And now for the weather, here's Connie LaRue. Wait a minute. That, what, Doesn't that sound like I could be on the... You got a good radio voice. I, I could be a I'd DJ, tune, right? Yeah, yeah, I think you could. I, I mean, mean, you've definitely got a face for radio. I'm having... I mean that in the best way. Oh. Like, you know... Oh, wait a minute. Hey, we're rolling. Oh, all right. Well, then let's roll. I'm Rich. And I'm Mark. And we are Two, two guys, guys on Block, Block Island. All right, listeners, uh, our guest today is an old friend of mine. His name is Bob Kosak. He's uh, done many things in his life, uh, big in the radio industry. He's got his own podcast going now. And uh, on top of that, he's uh, a guest of Block Island quite often. He used to own a home there. Rents still comes out with his family. So uh, let's get to it. Welcome to the studio, Bob. Hey, Bob. Oh, it's so great to be here, guys. Yeah. One of our uh, mentors as well on this podcast. Yes. Uh, Bob was one of the uh, people that we tapped for some advice before we began this whole journey. Yeah. And, and it was a big help. It was sage advice, and uh, we listened to it. We, yes. we, we've heated it. So See, I just you. flipped them uh, each uh, $20 bills along the way to say that, so but, uh, you're, you're very kind. Thank you. Well, keep them coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I'm so excited to be on your uh, your show, man. Well, well we're excited to have you. Yeah, yeah, this is great. That's yeah, great. So uh, why don't we kick it off with, uh, let's start with, you know, when did you first come to Block Island? How did you, uh, how did you find the place and, you know, uh, what made you... Keep coming. I first came to Block Island uh, sometime in the early 80s, I believe, where I um, had uh, some friends that used to come out, my brother's friends. So my brother, Jack, was uh, an, uh, an early uh, uh, taste tester for Block Island, and I picked it up right away and can't get it out of my system. Yeah, yeah. did you know right away? Absolutely. And the, the cool thing about it is, uh, as my wife Joan and I moved away over the years due to the business that I'm in, uh, moved to Ohio, uh, moved to Virginia, um, we would try out different places along the way that were vacation places, but we always, always came back to Block Island somehow. Yeah. It's hard to top. You know, I, I, I don't want to say I'm disappointed with everywhere I've gone on vacation, but there's... There's just a part of me is always like, man, it's great, but not quite, you know, Block Island. Yeah, you yeah know? I mean, we went through, you know, places on the Cape. We we went through, you know, uh, Nantucket and the Vineyard and all beautiful places, but it's not Block Island. Well, what is it? What is it about Block Island that, that just hooked you? Oh, well, besides the beauty, obviously, and the amazing beauty that you experience every time, I just think it's a vibe. Those other places are spectacular. I take nothing away from them, but they're... The, the, the vibe is different. It, you feel like, you know, maybe you're in the Hamptons, and the Hamptons are great, I'm sure. Never yeah. been. <laughs> yeah. But but uh, but the reality is Block Island is real. The people are real. Uh, their, their characters, uh, the beauty is, is, is there that's so amazing on the island. Uh, there's a sense of authenticity. Yeah. yeah. And there's the mode effect, I think, you know, the, the water around the, you know, like you're, yes. you know, end of the day, you're isolated. I've, and, I, and I, yep. you know, I've seen people who hate that feeling and couldn't even think of staying on Block Island yeah. because they, they can't even have the thought in their head that they can't get in their car and drive yeah. somewhere at midnight if they 
all of a sudden get the urge to, you know? I spent a summer on Martha's Vineyard in the early 90s, and it was, again, great, great place, had a great summer, but that island is so large, you don't always feel like you're on an island. Like, you could be in the middle of, you know, Martha's Vineyard and feel like you're anywhere in New England, but uh, there's that thing about Block Island where it's like, you know you're on an island all the time. Yeah, and one of the other great things is that feeling when, you know, you're visiting, like, you know, I've never lived there full time, obviously, spent a lot of time, but there's that feeling when you're visiting and you're there for a week or 10 days and a day in, you suddenly become a vegetable. (laughs) You just start, you're staring out there into the ocean and you're just loving that you've suddenly connected with it and you've forgotten about your problems. You've left them. Um, And the other great part is you can just disconnect from your annoyances. Yeah. (laughs) Right? I was going to say my experience watching Bob is he does it right. You know, sometimes we say, if you do this, you're doing it wrong. Day two, you run over and say hi to him, and he's like, "Hey, yeah." Like, you can just tell he, <laughs> yeah, you can just tell he he he's got it. The shore, we call it the he, Block Island shore. Yeah, he's yeah. just he's dug his heels in and just started to chillax. And it's and, a, you know, it's funny to watch certain people take. The, most people, again, with few exceptions, most people get there, but it's funny to see how long it takes. Some people are there a week, and, and by, finally by five, day five or six, they get it, and they're like, ah, oh, but I'm leaving tomorrow. And then there's other yeah. people who step off the boat. They're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And you're, you know, some people don't get it. Some people don't I get mean, it. I, yeah. I don't understand them, but I found people that just don't get it. I don't like this type of sand, all right? You know, there's, you know, there's no, there's no <laughs> golf course, you know, yeah. deal with it. What do you mean there's no Michelin-starred restaurants out there? Yeah, the golf yeah. course thing. You know, yeah. like you say, there's golf courses everywhere. Yeah, you, you know? can golf anywhere. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, and hey, good that we don't because we don't want that fertilizers and pesticides and stuff. You That's know, right. In our, in keep, our... keep it away. But it's one of the most glorious places on the face of the earth. And um, I find myself often telling people that. And then sometimes I stop short because I'm like, I don't want everybody to know about it. <laughs> yeah. But see, you guys yeah. now are to blame for letting everybody to know about it with your uh, your podcast, Two Guys on Block Island. Well, thank so, you. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I we hope apologize. That, yeah, but I, I hope that in addition, we're appealing to people that already enjoy Block Island and we help them maybe learn. Maybe they maybe they have something that's like, well, I didn't realize everybody hated when I, you know, yeah. left my garbage in the dunes. You know? Yeah, we like, do you know. try to educate and hopefully, yeah. you know, we're, Edu- we're, if you're going to come, we try and, you know, let you know how to do it right. Again, yeah, you know, educate right. and enlighten. Yeah. And enlighten. Yeah, that's yeah. It. You know, just a little sure. enlightening and, and joy. That's kind of the role. So, so you... You know, that was your first visit. So then how quickly before you decided this is where I'm booking my next vacation or my next day? Well, it really was that, you know, let's try some other places out that, you know, reflected how you felt about those other places. And then it was like, well, Block Island is the best. So it really happened very quickly. There was a little trial and error. There was certainly some absence from Block Island, maybe from time to time. And that absence Made the heart grow fonder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you you start out renting when you come out. Now, did you were you the kind of uh, you know person who you found the one place that you liked to stay and you kept renting the same place over and over? Did you try a bunch of different places? We moved around. Okay, yeah. We, so where are some of the st- places that you did stay? Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, I mean, Dory's Cove. You know, uh, spectacular. My summers growing up. That's, yeah. that's where uh, my family's place was. Yep. Um, 
I mean, we did a little bit of the um, stay at stay at the inns. You know, we've stayed at the at the Atlantic and you know tried that type of thing out. Um, but we kind of bounced around, you know, uh, every season, frankly. And when know? did you end up purchasing a home out there? Uh, purchased a home about twenty years ago. Yeah, and it was just one of these things that was like a dream come true to be able to do it and to, you know, experience it. Uh, We were, you know, very lucky in terms of what we were able to do and just, you know, had the best time with it. We reached a point that we were like, okay, we want to still come to Block Island, but we want to worry a little bit less. I know this sounds ridiculous about, you know, a leaky faucet or, you know, just the need to, for something to get fixed. That's what I would call Rich and say, Rich, help. You know, <laughs> we, we, need, we need some help with somebody. That's well, you call the right guy. That's we met. So, yeah, so yeah. you know, the, the reality is it was time for us, I think. We wanted to still be able to enjoy ourselves, but we wanted to pass the joy on to somebody else. So then we sold it a, a few years ago. And no, no regrets whatsoever. It was, it was the right time, but uh, very grateful that we were able to, to own the house for sure. Yeah, and I, I like, I love the house too. It's really, it's just a true nice Block Island cottage, you know, and not, when I use the word cottage, I don't mean teeny tiny, but it's not, you know, a, a giant mansion and it's got a great deck overlooking fresh pond. I mean, it's just, it was a great spot. I mean, it still is, but it's not. Yeah, we try not to look over there because there's, yeah. there's a little pain <laughs> from it, but no, yeah. no, but you know. There's, but, but there's something to be said for, uh, renting rather than owning like you said you know i you know i've had a house in wakefield and it's a headache when there's a problem you know because i have the reverse problem that other people have own a home on block island you know and that's uh it's smart i mean i know people come out and rent for two three months and they but they just rather you know not have to worry about whether if you pick up the phone if there's a problem and it's not your problem all of a sudden and i feel so weird saying it i feel like oh with the problems that are going on in the world complaining that i couldn't you know take care of a house i know i mean i really hate the way i sound so we call that white people problems there's a term for that yeah you know but that's i'm just saying i know a lot of people that follow the same route and they prefer to just rent and you know and i wondered someday if you know that was me i think i might prefer to rent was it a was it a hard decision to sell the house eventually or were you guys just like yeah it's time yeah, we just felt, felt it, was it was time, time. it just yeah. felt like it and this was before this thing we've gone through for the last few years happened we had made the decision um but you know look obviously the the real estate market has gone haywire and you know we don't really regret the moment in time it was right for us and very grateful that we were able to do it and the cool thing about block island is that once you've been there as you had been for so many years the the relationships the friendships you make those don't go away you can come back anytime and you pick up right where you left off with all of those people that you know you spent so much time and with. you still come every year oh definitely yeah. oh yeah. yeah once or twice maybe even three times a year we've got our plans for you know coming up uh soon enough and what's your typical nowadays when you come out what's your typical block island vacation like what do you do where do you go what what do you like to do just a lot of walking if we bring uh the dog or the dogs uh, in this case we, you know there's a lot of opportunity to go for walks basically just take in the the sights and the the sounds and the smells you know walk the bluffs or just you know find a place i mean it's what's cool is sometimes you know joan will just say my wife 
we haven't walked there ever, have we? So we'll just find a new little little hidden gem. Um, I think I told you that the last time we were out also had never seen, uh, you know, out at the lighthouse, the, the seals all, you know, congregating there for a meeting. That was like the first time we saw one of those situations. So there's always new experiences. That's what's so cool. Yeah, even I, you know, there I've said this before. I'll go to a spot for a reason. Somebody be like, "Oh, this is where my house is. Can you come and help me or something?" And it's, I stand there and I look and I'm like, "Wow, what a different perspective! Just a totally different view." I'm looking at the same, you know, island, but completely different perspective you didn't even know existed. And it just, it's really pretty wild. And you know, know one of the really cool aspects is it really doesn't change. I mean, the land trust uh, works so well to really, you know, preserve what's there. Think about how many places in our life that we've gone and you go, hmm, I really used to like that, but it's really changed. There's like a different, you know, series of uh, stores or uh, franchises that are coming in. Uh, Block Island is really, you know, it's preserved and hats off for the way the land trust works because it really does do the significant work of preserving this gem. You know? Yeah, I'd agree. We're 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 fortunate in that sense that you know, you know, the island definitely is here to protect itself, you know, and uh, not let that invade. I guess you yeah, know some as of our, much as possible. Yeah, some of our interviews have of uh, we were sort of uh, ahead of the curve with conservancy. Not we, not me and Mark. Yeah, you know, we would have been if we thought about it, but we, yeah, but we didn't. We so didn't. we're not. Um, but but in general. <laughs> You know, the Lewis family and a lot of people yeah. we've talked about on this podcast, you know, they, they were ahead of the game. You know, yeah. uh, Ed McGovern talked about they were the first ones to uh, may still be the only ones talking about um, that land trust percentage of a, of a property sale and how all the other real estates on the mainland were going bananas. They were like, you can't do that. You can't put another, ta- you know, 1% on top of the price of a home. And, you know, it passed and it's been, you know, a good thing for uh, for Block Island. And, the, you know, conservancy is amazing out there. It mm-hmm. really is. I mean, what I love about your podcast is how you have this respect for uh, the history, uh, respect for so many segments of the Block Island community, you know, in terms of the individuals and the work they do. Um, You put in your little dash of crazy people, which is the way Block Island should be as well. Wait, there's crazy people out there? There's crazy people on Block Island? Might be talking about us. Oh, I think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's keep my family out of this. Yeah. (laughs) Please. (laughs) So, um, Bob, you've had an illustrious career in broadcasting. Um, when, when, and where did that start for you? Well, it, where'd you go to, you went to, you I went to, to the university of Dayton in Dayton, Ohio. Okay. Is, um, it, is that where you're from originally? Where no, you from I'm from originally? Stanford, Stanford, Connecticut. Okay. So it actually started in Stanford, Connecticut, where I weaseled my way into the local AM radio station to, uh, assist the sports director, uh, you know, getting him coffee, that How t- old type were you of stuff. Was I was in high school. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I had gone in to try to be an intern at the station, uh, met with the program director and uh, he totally shut me down. We don't accept interns or I don't really know. He was just a guy who, frankly, was a bitter guy who had come out of New York City and his days were waning. Yeah. So he took it out on, you know, the little twerpy 17-year-old. So he wouldn't let me intern. Uh, well, ultimately, I listened to the, the, the sports show at night 
And that was my entryway to weasel in. I bothered Len Gambino was the guy's name. <laughs> I bothered Len and Len said, sure, come on up, Bob. So literally the first time I was ever on the air was I, I walked in to do my little you know, intern assignment with Len. He goes, um, you're going to be my guest on the uh, the sports call-in show tonight. I said, why? You apparently don't have anybody. He goes, you're an expert on sports. So uh, I didn't even have a chance to call my parents to say I was going to be on the, the, the show. Uh, I, I came on, uh, had the time of my life. And- so it went well. I think that was horrible, obviously. Classic moments, someone call in, because it was an early, it was the early days of sports radio, if you think about it. It didn't really exist. So this guy, Len, had this little, you know, call in our show on this AM uh, radio station. Uh, I remember somebody called in and threw out a question on hockey, and here was my great answer. I'm not really that much of a fan of hockey. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Punt. Yeah. So, so anyway, I was in my system from that moment on, thanks to, thanks to Len. So uh, grew up in Stanford, uh, had that experience, went to the University of Dayton, decided to go to the University of Dayton because they had a commercial college radio station. Okay. Now that was big because I was used to little, you know, small low frequency stations that colleges had that were very unprofessional sounding. Yeah. Uh the the one in Dayton, uh it was called WVUD. It was a commercial uh FM radio station, 50,000 watts. Of course, it really wasn't that professional either because we were a bunch of goofballs. Just you know, <laughs> what year so, was this around? Uh, this was I was I went to school there seventy four to seventy eight. Okay, so um, so it, when you a quick question, so I can I can learn. So when you say commercial, is that based on the wattage? Is, is that like what the output is? Is that how they uh, make? The, well, no, they sold advertising time. So okay. so the because the traditional college stations were all you know commercial free basically because yeah. they were little you know parts of the the broadcast or communications school so to be a uh you know we get advertisers uh you know type of radio station where there was actually money on the line and you had to get ratings and you know actually have some professionalism um was kind of a unique thing so that was why I went to the univers- university of Dayton I I I I was going to leave if I never got the job on the FM station and I was fortunate to be able to uh to get that and work with some pretty Pretty cool people. Probably the most notable, a lot of people from the industry that you probably wouldn't know, but the, the most notable person who actually did sports on my show was this guy by the name of Dan Patrick that you might have heard of. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, Patrick, yeah. So, so Dan is a University of Dayton uh, graduate and... Uh, you know, he he did sports on a rock station. Ultimately, had his own radio career. Now is a successful uh, syndicated. Just got inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame. Actually, broadcaster. So, but a lot of people came out of uh, out of uh, UD and VUD, and I was fortunate to be one of them. And what was your thing? Did you did you were you the music DJ? Like was yeah, your show mostly it, playing the? Yep, I did know. a show called. The Wax Museum. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Yeah, which was a six o'clock at night, um, you know, f- focus on a particular album and a well, particular I mean, artist. And you were, I mean, talk about the sweet spot for music, the early to mid-70s. I mean, 
things were getting cranked out. Like you were there when some of the greatest albums broke and got the dark side of the moon, maybe. It was unbelievable. And, you know, there's moments in your life you don't realize you're in the middle of something pretty cool. You just sort of work your way through it. And, and you don't necessarily appreciate it for what it was. That's probably one of those things I don't appreciate enough. Yeah. So, and, but what we would do is when, I'll just give an example of Steely Dan, because we were all big Steely <gasps> oh, Dan fans. Yeah. You this just said here, it. You said yeah. the magic word. Yeah. So we would, it would be like we would gather just, you know, at somebody's house and we would, you know, you know, put it on the turntable and just dissect it. Yeah. I mean, we would like study it almost, basically. We were like surgeons. I don't know why. Steely Dan, there's a lot to unpack in those albums, too. A, a lot. Yeah. Another one that uh, was was part of that was, uh, I mean, I could go on and on, sure. but I'll think of another one, that uh, Little Feet. Oh, yeah. You know, Little Feet was, I remember our, our group of friends saying, you ever heard of this band? And we're like, no. And that was like the great aspect of Discovery, where somebody just tips you off. They're playing... At the University of Cincinnati Fieldhouse, they're opening for Boz Skaggs, who happened to be on the Silk Degrees tour. You got to see him. So we go to see Little Feet, and I'd never, I'd never seen anything like it in terms of the unbelievable, you know, tightness, yeah. the uniqueness. Um, it, it, it literally, uh, to this day, was one of the greatest concerts I ever saw in my I, life. I get. I, I do have to catch myself because I I do tend to go down the music rabbit hole and, and the entire interview ends oh, up being yeah, talking yeah. about music. I'm yeah. used to it. Billy Payne's one of the best <laughs> keyboard players of all time. One of my idols for sure. Love Little Feet. Well, you're, you're putting a smile on my face because for uh, a project I'm working on, uh, Billy Payne is part of it. So. Can I intern for you? <laughs> Or do I just show up? Do I just show you up just and show, like you get, you're okay. you're in for whatever you want? Cool, man. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Well, there you yeah, go. We, we'll tease it. We could talk about it later. So. Yeah. Great things happen. So what happens? Oh, one follow up question about the uh, uh, radio station at at, at in college. Uh, you said it was commercial. Did you guys? Uh, were you guys competing with the other commercial stations and holding your own? Were you guys, Were people tuning in? We actually beat them. You did. Yeah. That was what I was wondering. Yeah, we actually beat the competitor regularly to the point where it became common practice for that particular radio station to hire everybody because they didn't want to compete against them really? anymore. I, I did not stay there yeah. to, to do that. But many of the folks, Dan Patrick, who I mentioned, they ended up being hired to go across okay. the street because so, VUD gave them a big whooping. So you guys were like the uh, you know AAA ball club for that radio. So they'd come through and then boom. And we thought we were really big shots when uh, Cincinnati, which was 50 miles down the road, we would show up in the ratings in Cincinnati. Now, statistically, that probably meant two people were listening, but yeah. we didn't care. Sure. It still was cool. Yeah. Now, did you know like Dr. Johnny Fever from WKRP? <laughs> was he... Uh, is that feel, a real station? I, I feel like uh, somehow somebody like him intersected. Certainly somebody like Herb Tarlick intersected <laughs> yeah, yeah. our life. <laughs> Herb Tarlick. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so what happens after college? You're, you're, in, you're all in on broadcasting, obviously. I was all in from that moment in, in high school. So, uh, look, the career, I've been fortunate because a lot of people in radio, they, they have what I would call roadmap resumes. Uh, they literally you know, make every stop possibly on the face of the earth. I was fortunate. I made a six-week blundered move right out of college to Lexington, Kentucky. Didn't quite work out. Came back home to Connecticut. I was out of work for a month. 
I got hired in Connecticut at a station called I-95 in Danbury, Connecticut, Fairfield County Station. Uh, I stayed there for 10 years. Um, while I was there, I got to work uh, weekends at the station I grew up listening to, which is WNEW-FM in, in New York. Uh, so I was working seven days a week, five in Connecticut, uh, two at NEW. Uh, that was a glorious uh, experience. Uh, very, very grateful for that. Um, and then I needed to kind of, you know, advance to a bigger market, sure. basically. So that was three years in Columbus, Ohio at a rock station. Um, another couple of years in Norfolk, Virginia at another rock station. And then we moved to Boston in the early 90s. And where did you end up in Boston? What station? I uh, programmed the classic rock station, uh, WZLX in Boston, wow. and was the format captain for the company, which was Infinity, and then it became CBS. So I got to work on other projects. Um, that was probably where, you know, the beginnings of Rich, where we first probably met during that period. And uh, so I spent about 10 years there wow. uh, and then uh, went to a company called Greater Media based in Boston as well, where uh, Rich and I also did a oh, we'll talk a, about a pro that. a project. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was in a corporate position for that company for about 10 years until they were sold about uh, five years ago to a company called Beasley. Uh, I was uh, fortunate to come over with them for about three years. And, okay. and when my contract ended, decided to go off and do other things. And, and you were off air, obviously, at that point. What because you were, said you were in the corporate, more of a managerial role, yeah. program director. Uh, what, when was the last time you were on air as a steady? Steady would have been in Columbus, uh, which would have been in the uh, late eighties. Okay. Actually, was that? Did you miss? Did you did you miss being in front of the microphone and on air at of, all? Without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. That was really a like. What used to happen is I was a. I was an on-air program director, basically. So what that meant is, you know, I had the the management responsibilities, and then I'd have to go in, and usually I did all every shift available, basically. But uh, um, most of the time, I did afternoons. So I'd go in, do my afternoon show, and that was a way for everything that was like the management stuff to just go away yeah. because this was like, this is my salvation. You're happy place. Happy We're going to have yeah. our happy place. We're going to play music and, you know, what could be better? Play music and get paid for it. Right? Great distraction. So yeah. sounds like we're getting ready to jump to the next phase of your life. But before we do, tell me about Buzz Knight. So that is your stage name for radio. exactly yeah is there a name for it in radio other than stage uh name? yeah stage i mean stage yeah, name yeah. is probably yeah. when when did that now was that back in the college days? that was in connecticut but it was a college friend who was the only guy who somehow it's i don't even know if the story is true but as i as i remember it <laughs> it doesn't really matter yeah oh yeah he, we've, we've he, learned that he <laughs> he he called me boz because of Bob, and then he supposedly ran into Boz Skag somewhere, and Boz's friends called him Buzz. So he started calling me Buzz. He was the only one. Well, fast forward to the job in Connecticut. I replaced a guy who was the afternoon guy on, on the Connecticut station 
Um, his name was Paul Red Eye Guthrie. Um, they were like the funny name. They were the funny name uh, uh, station. Stormin <laughs> Norman was the afternoon guy who's still in the business. So they and wanted that was pre-Schwarzkopf. That, yes, that's right. Uh, exactly. That's where he got. Red that's, Eye was pre-legalized marijuana. That's right, right too. Is, yeah, <laughs> that should have been WTHC that station. But that's a whole. That's a whole other. That's a whole other story. You know. But um, so I had to literally walk in after submitting a list of names to the program director in Connecticut. And I walked in to do my first show and they said, okay, Buzz. So from that point on, it was, it was Buzz night. No looking back. Many times my family couldn't understand it. Why are you so embarrassed using your last oh, name? Oh my God, they took name. it as a slight? It, was like, sort of, it became this thing. I mean, but really they got over it. It's oh. easier to spell night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, it. with a K or an N, yeah. which one? But so, the interesting thing is when I worked in uh, Connecticut and did that stint in New York, five days a week, um, I was Buzz Knight, and then the two shows on the weekend, I was Bob Kosak. Or as the uh, my my coworker there, Dennis Elsis, great DJ from uh, uh, NEW, used to call me Bob Killer Kosak. Oh, so either way, I had a nickname. Yeah, yeah. but I still used my real name. So right. did, did my, you, you ever say the wrong name on the wrong show? Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you never worked like two different places, yeah. and you're like, I guess so. Yeah. Hey, it's, uh, hello, uh, Harbor Grill. I'm sorry. I mean, Nick's. Yeah. You know, it's like you just it, you know. It took a year. I was on the air for a year in in New York, and literally, uh, it was Saturday night in New York City, and I suddenly, instead of saying Bob Kosak, threw out Buzz Knight, and as I thought about it, I'm like, okay, it's a Buzz Knight on a Saturday. I don't have to correct myself. No one knows, you know. So that it, it took one year for me to screw that up. Well, that's a long time. Yeah, I thought it would happen more in the beginning. Yeah, no, no. yeah, but I I've done that like working switching shifts and going someplace different and you answer the phone different you know yeah i mean you're talking to a guy who has an alter ego i don't even know who i am half the time yeah that's true the well the both of you i gotta come up with something oh don't worry you you, yeah we'll figure it out it it already exists i just don't know about it well yeah we just haven't told you what your nickname is people are talking yeah Yeah, people are talking kind of like talking yeah what do we call that we we there's people like on block island that they have a you know a little nickname that people call them but yeah they don't know it you know, and I'm assuming I got one. Yeah, probably. there's a few. You know, whatever. I'll but, take there, it. but there's one guy who was my boss um, at uh, NEW, a guy by the name of Mark Chernoff. Mark would subsequently go run WFAN in New York, which was one of the first sports stations in the country. And he had a successful career there. He also programmed WXRK in New York. And Howard Stern was his yeah. morning guy. But Mark, to this day, when the phone rings and I pick up the phone and, and it's Mark, he goes, Hi, Bob. So he's he's like the one. No, nobody else in the business has any idea who Bob Kosak is. You just brought up Howard Stern. It begs the question because Howard, started, he was in uh, Hartford for a bit, and then he went to New York. Or I think he went to D.C. and then New York, correct? Did you ever cross paths with Howard? Actually, the first program director when I was out of college that I cold called for a job was Howard Stern when he was at WRNW in Briarcliff Manor. This oh, little that station. early, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was at a phone booth somewhere on I-84, and Howard picks up the phone, and he's like, 
yeah, um, I don't have anything for you, but you know, he's very nice, yeah. you know, and and uh, it, it, he took the call, wow. which was great. That's half uh, years later, we were doing a special broadcast around the Grammys, and this is where Howard would be part of the round robin of of, um, of shows that came in. And I remember the, the the bookers as they would put people on your show. They were like, "Do you want to talk to Howard Stern?" I was like, "Absolutely!" So uh, so I interviewed Howard during that. Oh, and cool! Total total ball break. Oh, oh yeah, the, oh, yeah. the well, best. Yeah. You know, did you did you bring up the fact that you had? A, did you- Mentioned that you had spoken with him and asked for, you know, a gig back yeah, in the day. Yeah, he mocked me. He's, He's like, yeah, whatever. He was like, yeah, you're in Columbus now. What's next, Sheboygan? You know? <laughs> <laughs> what else would you expect, though, right? No, yeah, you gotta, I'd be nervous. Yeah. You know? yes, I, my so. dad would, if my dad was still alive, he'd kill me if I didn't ask this one, too. My dad listened to Don Imus like crazy, back before he got all wacky with the, at the end. But uh, did you ever meet Imus? Yes, definitely, because Mark actually, Chernoff, who I mentioned, Mark, actually, yeah. that was his morning guy right, as well. Right, of course. Yeah. Um, um, let's just say I, you know, I don't like talking ill of the dead. So certainly, let's just leave yeah, it at no that. worries, no worries. Yeah, I just remember as a kid, my dad was just like cracking up over I. Transformational figure, really, yeah, no doubt, yeah. But yeah, we'll leave yeah. it. At, gotcha. Fair enough. enough. Hey, All speaking right. of leaving it at that, is mm. this a good time for us to take a quick break? I think we should. Yeah, Bob, we're gonna come right back. We're just gonna give our sponsors a, a, a moment of our time here, and then we'll be back with Bob Kosak. We'll be right back, and listeners will be right back. That's with my radio. Co- That's a good yeah. one. Yeah. All right, we'll be right back. Cooler? Check. Ice? Check. Drinks? Check. That's everything. All right, let's head down to Fishworks. All right, I'm excited for this trip. I am too. And I, you know what's cool about Fishworks is, I mean, hey, today we're going to go out and try and catch some uh, striped bass, right? But you can get bluefish, fluke, sea bass, bonito, whatever's in season. Yeah, you can book a light tackle or fly fishing morning charter with Captain Chris for up to three people. Right. Oh, wait a minute. I invited some friends, so we might have to go out on the Harley with Captain Hank because uh, they do half trips and full day trips for up to six people. Oh, and Captain Hank is a hoot. And, of course, the shop, you know, the Fishworks Tackle Shop, they have everything you need, including pointers. If you don't want to go on a charter, they can sell you what you need, tell you where to go and how to do it. Yeah, totally. I think I might pick up uh, a hat and a T-shirt, too, because their merchandise is so on point. Yeah, good-looking stuff. They're located at 40 Ocean Avenue, and they're open every day in season and great merchandise. They really do have some cool stuff. And uh, if you want to check it out online, you can purchase all year long at www.bifishworks.com. All right. How cool is that? Ah, I love it. All right. Let's go catch some fish. Hey, Rich, do these bell bottoms make me look fat? Bell bottom? Oh, wait. It must be Monday and you're going to disco night at Captain Nick's. Well, yeah, of course I'm going to disco night at Captain Nick's. I'm the DJ, man. I got to be there. (laughs) That place is so much fun. So much fun. And the fun doesn't end after Monday because on Tuesday and Wednesdays, we have dueling pianos followed by Dr. Wes Chesterson's sloppy seconds. What are sloppy seconds? Well, that's when I play the piano for the rest of the drunk people there at the end of the night. That sounds fun in itself. Thursdays, they've got live acoustic acts and full bands and DJs. Yeah. And Friday and Saturday afternoons, we have acoustic acts on the deck at 5.30. Uh, Fridays are Delaney, and then Saturdays are Buddy Rob Davis. And then Friday and Saturday nights, they've got the best live bands on Block Island, like Derek and the Fun Bags, The Blushing Brides, Fever, Neil and the Vipers, West End Blend, and the High and Mighty Brass Band, just to name a few. Yeah, and uh, the bands aren't over just because Friday and Saturday night ends. On Sunday afternoons, the Young Guns take the stage on the deck at 5.30. Sunday fun day, and what if you're hungry? They got food, right? Yeah, for sure. All right, 
So they've serving food out of the Captain Galley seven days a week, including some late night grub. So, you know, if you're hungry, stop in late night and grab a bite. Yeah. And if you want to check out the full entertainment schedule, let's just head over to CaptainNick'sBI.com. Hey, Mark, you want to go grab a bite? Yeah, I'm starving. All right, where should we go? Uh, well, I kind of want to go somewhere where I can look at the ocean while I eat. So uh, how about the beachhead? Ah, uh, sounds good to me. They're right across the ocean. Yeah, so, yeah. right on Crescent Beach. Great local hangout, you know? And you know what I love about the beachhead is it forever. Remember, it was always the local hangout spot. Yeah, and if you don't want to sit outside overlooking the water, it's great people watching from the bar. You get to watch all the cars and bikes going by. Totally, because the bar is right there, and in the big windows, you're looking out right onto the beach. It's amazing. Yeah, just sit there, drink one of their famous mudslides or a signature Bloody Mary. I mean, they got so many good drinks. So many good drinks. Oh, and you know what else is great? Is that they serve fresh, locally caught fish, and they have fantastic lobster rolls. Yeah, hot or cold. Which one do you like? Oh, one of each. Yeah, me too. I'm down. That's the answer to that. But wait, maybe we should wait until 3 o'clock. All right. Because they do buck shuck every Monday through Friday from 3 to 4, and it's a dollar oysters. Well, I'm down for that. So, you know, what if we get a whole bunch of people want to come with us? Hey, no problem. Problem. They got lots of space and they have a special events area in the back. It's reserved for weddings, rehearsal dinners, uh, anniversary parties, whatever. Wow. Well, it's settled then. I'm ready to go to the Beachhead. How about you? Yeah. Check out their website at beachheadbi.com. Well, I think I'm going to go pick up something special for my wife. So I'm heading on down to Marmar Blockstar. Oh my God. That's a great idea. You know, you can get so much cool stuff there. And what I love about Marmar is that it's a mom and pop operation operated by Martha and Dominic. They're the most funky, crazy, fun family on Block Island. Yeah. Marmar Jewels has a great variety of handmade, exquisite, artfully crafted jewelry by Marmar. Yeah. She does it herself. And you know, she also features the work of a rotating roster of over 50 independent jewelry artists, and they have one of a works from local and regional artists as well. You know what else they do? They do alternative wedding engagement options, gifts and accessories for bridal parties. Yeah, they've also got permanent jewelry workshops, visiting artist trunk shows, and private shopping. And of course, we all know Blockstar is the unofficial logo of Block Island. It's that star in a circle with the B.I. in the center. Yeah. Man, that thing has been around for so long. And you know, Dominic started that thing in 2004, totally grassroots, selling t-shirts and stickers out of the trunk of his car. Yeah, but it's grown into a lot more because now you can get hats hoodies and the t-shirts as well as bandanas stickers i mean you name it they've got it with the Blockstar logo totally they're open between memorial day and columbus day but you can order anytime online what's that website the website is marmarboutique.com all right so uh welcome back and uh bob let's uh, pick up where we left off so um you would this be a good time to talk about that you hired me for absolutely a, a job can we we can talk about that of now course, right? yes it's it's one of them things it's like i feel like if i still talk about it the kgb is gonna like come what, out to like closet. fix his boiler or something uh, on the no, island what do you mean? no no what so, is so uh a radio promotion came along and this was at the time where you were the programming director for uh greater media yep. boston yep. and um bob's like i need to hire someone for this promotion who nobody knows like you you can't be recognizable. You, you basically can have nothing to do. You cannot have any previous interaction with anybody that works for the station. And okay. the promo was called uh, the fugitive. That's right. The fugitive. So like a dumbass, I'm like, sure, I'll do that. <laughs> well, <laughs> Bob's like, you. I got just the guy, this guy was, that I know on this little Island. Well, it was, 
it was uh, emotionally altering. Uh, I'll tell you why. So the b- bottom line is my job. What would you do to the guy? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> so he told me he had fun. Well, yeah, I, I did have fun, but it, it was, there was a little PTSD for a couple of weeks after it. I, I'll, so ultimately they, the radio station ran this promotion and uh, on the weekdays, three times a day, you would uh, have to be in a certain area and you would drop clues during a bounty period. As to where you were, you what, mean you happened. meaning you, Rich? Me, me, as I'm the you're fugitive. the fugitive. I'm the fugitive. Gotcha. I can't tell anyone on Block Island where why I'm leaving five days a week for five, four or five weeks. It was. It was a few weeks. It was it, a commitment. It, it was a commitment. Wow. So nobody can know. My wife has to tell everybody she she can't talk about it, you know, and all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, oh my yeah. God. Oh my god. And the basically the rules were I had to be publicly accessible within the town that I was supposed to be in, giving the clues about. And if someone walked up to me and said, are you the WROR fugitive? I'd have to say yes. And then I had to quickly, there was, it was a mind game and I didn't believe it would work, but it really did work. Then I would immediately, I had two handlers just like, you know, like an yeah. FBI agent or CIA. And I would redirect them to, to the, the handler that was going to come to them and with paperwork and the, and the winnings. And sometimes the, the bounties were two, $300. Sometimes they were a couple thousand dollars. Oh, so wow. people were nuts. Okay. So, um, kind of like how people are on block Island about finding the glass or, yeah, but let me tell you, they, you, you I got some hate mail. Cause at that time, fa- uh, it wasn't Facebook yet. It was, um, what's the, what was the MySpace? platform? Yeah. MySpace. MySpace. And they're like, well, do you want us to do, you know, the MySpace stuff? And after reading some of the stuff, I was like, yeah, better if you do that. I don't want to know. <laughs> But um, it was intriguing, and I had really knew nothing about Boston and the surrounding areas, and I got to know every you know last inch of it. And I mean, how many times did you get caught as the fugitive? Do you remember ish? I I don't. Um, it, it was enough. Yeah. It was good enough. You know, to make people feel like they had a shot to win. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, and that's that was that. But you had to do some strange ones. Like one time, I I think opening day at Fenway Park, I had to be within a block of the stadium. And, you know, but you're allowed to use treachery. You couldn't lie if somebody asked you, but you could do if somebody if if I was in a public area and somebody started asking people around me, I could start asking people. And that person would just assume that I was on the hunt for the fugitive as well. They I wasn't very lying. Very clever. Yeah, you could do that. Well, they, they, we had some training. And, oh, wow. Um, but yeah, so it built some paranoia up for a while. You, you started to get a little bit like you looking know, over your shoulder. I had one woman catch me. One guy caught me because he was waiting for his wife at the grocery store and I was sitting on a bench and I was holding the newspaper upside down. Like I was so focused on if anyone's coming. That I, and he was like, yeah, we had the paper upside down, you know, but it was fun. And I had That's to go cool. And, oh, yeah. I love that promotion. I <laughs> love yeah. being able to work with you on it. I hope that it didn't really inflict too much I'm okay pain, now. You know, <laughs> um, but it was. Rich it, bounces back quick. It was so much fun. It was so different. I have to tell you, it probably in today's world would never be allowed to happen because the lawyers would get their teeth into this promotion and they would dilute the heck out of it to the point that it it was zero fun. Right. I I guarantee you that would be the case. But I just had so much fun with that promotion. Uh, I'm still in touch with one of the guys who was the orchestrator, Phil Douse. I know you have an Australian audience listening. Phil is in Australia. (laughs) Huge in Australia. I, I just talked to Phil actually yesterday and uh, so we're still in touch but it was it was fun it was theater of the mind frankly it was a lot of what's missing out there today in, yeah. in the radio biz they they even had me so I was allowed to break 
balls of the DJs. So I would like find out, I had access to all the secret information. So they'd feed me like, where does the, the DJ live? And when they were on the air, I'd go to their house and take a selfie and like yeah. blur my face out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like you then we had me dress up as a maintenance guy and I actually went in the studio. Like I was working on some wiring in the studio. And then later I'm like, you idiots. I was standing right behind you. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. I, 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 I have this visual. I was in my office and I see Rich like it, meandering outside, and I'm thinking he really is going in there as a repairman, and I'm supposed to not like act like I know him. And I had to like I had to like hide myself because I was laughing so much. Oh my god! But you talk about people's perspective. Buzz, I think it was Buzz calls me. Bob calls me, and it's funny because I only knew him as Bob. Yeah. And I'm up there, and people are like, "Hey, Buzz, what should we do? Buzz, what's up?" But I'm like, "What the? What's going on here? Who's Buzz?" And he goes, oh, "I don't know. That's that's my name." I'm like, "Okay." So Buzz called me. He goes, "Did you hug a woman after she won a thousand dollars?" I'm like, "No, I didn't. I didn't." She's telling this because they would, of course, get them on the air. And they'd be, he was great, and he was short, and he had, you know, he had long blonde hair, and he gave me a big hug. And they really, really were so excited they could not remember what I looked like. <laughs> not a single winner could actually describe me accurately on the oh air. God. I thought it wouldn't work, but the diversion of pointing to your handler, and then I, I played a prank on my daughters. They were on a field trip from the Block Island School in Boston. Oh no. So I had the handlers and I, uh, it was between stops. So I, I, I go over to the field trip and they're like, what's going on? What are you doing here? I'm like, I can't talk about it right now. I just want to say hi real quick. And then I had one of the handlers come over. I think it's Kevin. And I'm, he's like, we got to go. I'm like, I can't talk. I got to go. And I just turn around and walk away. <laughs> you know, that promotion was like a, a sociological experiment because you got to take in everything about Boston particularly the people oh, yeah. who are so unique. I love them. They're insane. Uh, but you, you know, you saw all the different pockets of, of the Boston every, marketplace, every level, every neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. For the Fenway one, I basically dressed um, like a homeless person and I put yeah. a 40 in a, in a paper bag and I just kind of stumbled around the, the stadium for a couple of so hours. So you kind of just wore your everyday street clothes. Well, yeah, you know, yeah, basically, kind of basically nobody an average would ever think I was the right. fugitive, yeah. you know? Yeah. But, yeah. That's oh. hilarious. Who's yeah. that, was that your idea, the whole no, thing? No, the, the yeah. guys, uh, Phil Douse and Clive Dickens were the guys. One was from Australia, one was from uh, from Britain, and they were the guys who were sort of the, the orchestrators of it and that we worked with, and they're tremendously creative guys. When I heard about the promotion... I was like, I got to convince the bosses to do this. And, you know, luckily they had the confidence and I don't know why they had the confidence in me, but they had the confidence in me to pull it off. And it, it, was, you know. it was pretty cool. And I could go in and play pranks. So I could try if I could find a place that had the station on, it was even better. Like I, I convinced a guy and I used, they gave me a lot of material and said, try these ideas and all that. So I go into this uh, dealership and tell them that I moonlight at night, you know, picking up uh, dead people Yeah, and that my car you know, my wife got in an accident. I need a car right now. And I'm like, I'm not sure somebody, a body will fit in the back. And I got the guy to like lay down in there. I'm like, I got to take your picture so I can send it to my wife, you know? And, and like, there's the salesman like laying in the back oh of the car, God. you know, to make sure the body. You really there. were the perfect guy for that job. Perfect. I wish I could do it again because it was such a learning curve. Like, I think I, it would have been, it's one of those things where it was scary at first. The very first day, nobody told me. The guy with me is like, all right, we're going on the air. Bob Saget's on the show, and you know, God rest his soul. And yeah. uh, somebody else, and you're you're coming on the air in, in three minutes. And I'm like, 
on the radio live? I'm like, well, how many people listen to this? And he's like, I don't know, 200,000. Sound, like, sounds what? like Buzz was, you know, trying to pass it along from his first oh, experience in God, radio. Oh, terrifying. Yeah. yeah, that was Lauren and Wally that were the yep. morning guys, yep. uh, terrific guys. How much and, fun did you guys have? Oh, my God. It was, we, just, we just had the best fun. Yeah. Wow. It was a yeah. good Remember promotion. fun? Uh, yeah, it's ringing a bell. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I grew up on radio. I I still check it. I actually went to school for broadcast journalism initially, you yeah. know, and didn't follow it up anyway. But uh, I I'm back in Western Mass where I'm from. Uh, there's a couple guys, the you know uh, John O'Brien and Mike Baxnell on the morning show, and they've been good friends of mine. I go on their show every now and then. Rock one hundred and two. Rock one hundred and two. W a q y. There's that voice. Yeah. You know, yeah. I ask me. Uh, a street name in the town I live in. I'm clueless. Yeah. Uh, give me the frequency of a radio station in a market. I got you covered. You got the call letters yeah. right there. What a loser I am. So then, <laughs> I doubt that. Then you um, sort of got your company would promote concerts, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. So you had a lot of um, in uh, acti- uh, interaction. 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 Yeah. Thank you with, very much. Yeah. Interaction with some some people. Right? Did you get to meet? Who's uh, your? Who's now up we, there? we're not asking a name drop, but we're asking just you to name tell drop. us who they are. Just tell us. Yeah. If my it's wife fine. heard this, she'd be like, "Oh, he's okay, got a name we go drop again. again." No, we want it. We, <laughs> we love, love it. it. Yeah. Oh my god! I mean, I don't even know where to start. Okay. Really? Okay. Who are some of the coolest? I, I mean, the Rolling Stones. Getting to go to see the Rolling Stones in Cincinnati, and then they invited us to a what then would was they called it a you know meet and greet little backstage gathering. Now you would be shuffled in and out if you had a chance and you'd get 30 seconds. We were back there with them for like an hour before the show, playing pool, eating, drinking. They were all there. Mick was pouting. Mick was like, yeah. What are you doing here? But uh, <laughs> but um, ba- I can't do the English accent. Sorry. But uh, but the Stones. I don't like Buzz. Buzz needs to go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he was just kind of like he was in a, a snit. But uh, <laughs> great memories from uh, from from the Rolling Stones. Big Springsteen fan ultimately. So you know a lot of encounters with Bruce and he the East Street like a nice band. Uh, very you know like. Kind of in his zone, obviously. Okay, sure. Actually, um, I'm fortunate to have uh, become friendly with little Stephen Van Zant, ah. who's one of the the best guys in the world. Uh, so that's great experience. He seems like it. He you is. See. And yeah. I remember you were very excited because in the early days, and I do have a question or two about the transition of getting music out there with this new day and age. But um, he had one of the very early shows on satellite radio oh yeah and it was what little stevie's Le- underground garage yeah, still yeah. on yeah, to this yeah. day yeah. he programs a couple of channels on on satellite he's got like an outlaw country channel that he programs but, plus the underground i was literally it was like one of them things where he bob's telling me about it and he's so excited i'll never forget because i just gotten my first satellite receiver for the restaurant and he's like oh man blah 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 and i'm like huh what what do you what do you mean a show like uh it's satellite it's not supposed to have people talking just, i thought you just Put it to classic and it plays, you know. Yeah, yeah it was, uh, you know. It. So you, that was pretty did, exciting. Did you ever listen to Dylan's uh, radio? Theme time radio yeah. hour, absolutely. Oh, I love that one. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever meet Dylan? Yes. And uh, I don't have many regrets in life, but I do have a regret associated with Bob Dylan when we went to meet Bob. And Bob, when we were introduced, this was a surprise that we were going to go see him uh, before his show. So we were, it was about 10 of us, and we were introduced to Bob. 
he made eye contact with the introduction and then proceeded to never look at us the entire time that we were there. That's fine. He's the voice of a generation. He's entitled, right? Um, so then uh, he says at one point, Ugh. See, I, I could do <laughs> that's that. That's a good deal. Yeah, so yeah. far, it's a good Ugh. Anyone want to do a shot of whiskey? Well, we were all petrified because we were in awe. I mean, we truly were in awe because Bob really didn't do meet and greets and all of this stuff. So this was a unique experience. So none of us, including me, took him up on that. So that's one thing I will never get a shot at again. I have very few regrets in life. That's one of them. But uh, fortunate to get to to meet Bob a few times. But that experience, I can't get back. Yeah. Uh, He was trying to. That was a good one. And all poor Bob was doing was trying to loosen up the room, you know. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, hey, these guys need a shot. I actually. Was in a similar situation with Billy Joel, except it was uh, he wanted to smoke cigarettes, and I don't really, I didn't smoke cigarettes, but uh, he was like, "Oh, you want a cigarette?" I'm like, "Well, when's the next time you're going to smoke butts with Billy Joel?" So sure, I, you know, whatever. Yeah, so we had, you know, look the the uh, the the opportunity that we had to be connected with really cool people, uh, whether it be. David Gilmour from Pink Floyd, uh, uh, whether it be the Allman Brothers Band, uh, you, you name it. A lot of the comedians coming through. We had great contact. You mentioned Bob Saget over the years. You know, I've had uh, you know associations with with many of the comedians from Seinfeld to Leno before they became you know bigger stars. That was when we had them often as well. Um, so this access that we had, I don't think it's the same world of access as it used to be. So we we just, you know, most of the stuff was was handed to us, to yeah. be honest with you. Yeah. Like they wanted to promote something. So we were fortunate to be connected because they needed the promotion. But in some cases, we worked it to connive it and get it because yeah. it was competition that you didn't want to have get it in the marketplace. But that access is a way different thing now, which is too bad because uh, that's a special part of the storytelling that you know, radio has been part of. Yeah, even with, it seems like the, you know, the concert goer experience now, you know, there's, you know, all these multi- tiered levels of ticketing you get the super vip meet and greet where it's like you know you're should you get like a tote bag with some stickers and a t-shirt and like a some cold grilled cheese sandwiches and then you get like a quick photo op with the guy and then you're out and yeah 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 it's a different wow. it's a different time in that regard did you ever meet the staley dan guys did you ever meet donald fagan walter Becker? never never yeah. did unfortunately they don't seem like they're, they seem kind of like a very well, Walter Becker's past, but Donald Fagan's definitely seems like a prickly kind of dude. He yeah, I don't now. think he would take well to the meet and greet. Yeah, probably not. Probably a germaphobe, too. Yeah, my guess is <laughs> that. Yep, for sure. Well, and then there's one, one of the greats still to this day uh, from Boston, uh, the Wolf of Goof of Peter Wolf oh, as well. Yeah. Who, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. We're, we're still we're still in touch with him as well. So That's cool. He's the best. And he's still playing. He's still out playing. This is what I love about th- these musicians. Their heart it, it realizes how special special music is yeah. and they love still playing yeah how about the aerosmith guys and you must have met the aerosmith dudes. the best yeah just the best cool guys the, huh? the, the the greatest guys to 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 see play and yeah. and talk to and they're, they're just the best well do you have any uh meet and greet horror stories besides you know the dylan thing was not a horror story but that was just awkward maybe but just some people who were just less inclined to want to be there gotcha i mean i remember the late dan fogelberg at a meet and greet uh, off in a corner, pretty much, like yeah. 
petrified almost to be meeting people. Yeah. It made me kind of sad because it was like, well, he shouldn't have to do this. Well, artists are funny like that. I mean, you never, you know, they're obviously emotional beings. They're songwriters. They're performing. You know, they have to reserve certain stores of energy to give to the crowd. Like, you know, you said Springsteen was kind of dialed in and focused when you met him. And it's, you know, it's it's a crapshoot, I guess. And, and they have bad days. And, and we kind of... I, I think I feel like we look at any celebrity and we're kind of like, oh, that's who they are all the time. And then if you meet them, there is that risk of meeting someone you admire and you're kind of let down or it's not what you thought it was going to be. You know, I'll give you the cringeworthy Bruce Springsteen moment, though, <laughs> when I was awkward in, in his presence and as a big fan. And I swear to you, I actually said the words, Bruce. I'm a big fan of your work. And when I said it, I was like, I wanted to push that back into my mouth going, what a stupid comment. Well, you know, it's, it's the go-to, Yeah, you know, that's when you lock up. I'm I'm like, really? I couldn't come up with anything better. Yeah. Or at least more specific. Yeah. I mean, it's just, but you know, they are people too. Did you did now? So you're in the, you know, I, I remember when digital started and radio started to, you know, uh, iTunes was beginning and iHeartRadio was in the beginning and all this stuff and then satellite radio. And I kind of was like, oh, well, there goes radio. That's going to never, that's going to be gone. Did you ever feel like that was, you know, ever going to completely wipe out radio or? No, no, it, it will never completely wipe out radio. Well, I know that now. <laughs> but, but look, personal choice. You could listen to your own music easily at your fingertips or massive choice out of a Spotify that you can listen to anything as if you're walking into Tower Records for the first time. So it's it's the trickle effect of many things that radio has had to deal with and is still dealing with. And this is where the stakes are high. And radio at this point needs to come back to do things such as The Fugitive or needs to get excited when there's a new band on the horizon or celebrate when a classic band is back on the horizon. Um, Radio has gotten most hurt by these little pieces chipping away at it. But then the biggest problem from a business sense has been all the debt that radio companies have had to absorb. When you have billions of dollars of debt they can't operate the way they used to. They have to operate differently. They have to cut bodies. So there's business problems that are affecting things. And when it all comes down to it, you got to bring content. You got to bring cool stuff for people to want to, you know, crave and 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 get into and have a habit as they listen to it. And that's where things have shifted. People yeah. are distracted. There's more opportunities. Podcasting now is a new one that is reminiscent, frankly, of the early days of radio, where you could sit and have a conversation like we're having and not be you know concerned about what you have to say or how you say it so it's really a number of factors changing radio will still survive it but radio has to raise the game yeah and and i I agree like i mean that was the cool thing when i was so i was a kid i listened to uh w i forget what the callers were in hartford but gary craig do you remember gary craig gary craig was our morning guy for years and it was like we would call up and request songs and, you know, whatever. There was that inter- – you could call – you could literally call someone. And, again, I know you don't have to do that now with Spotify, but there was something about calling in and saying, hey, I want to hear Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin. And you're waiting and you're waiting. And the guy said, okay, I'll put in – and you wait and you wait and you're waiting. And then the song cl- – it's just like, yeah. And if you're lucky, you, know? you got a little shout out. You know, Right, yeah. going out to my friend Mark. Yeah, you know? yeah. They never yeah. said my name. but No? You know, no. 
No, mm. but sometimes I play my song. Well, yeah. But yeah, there's that element of connection, you know, with Radio who's... was the, I'm sorry, radio was the original social network. That was it. Really? Yeah. And then what do you know about the block? You might know. I don't know that much about this. The Block Island Underground Radio. Oh, the that, Pirate Radio the pirate one the kids radio. were doing for a while? That one happened for a couple of years. Well, I tried to, you know, go over there and see if I can do a show and i remember going over it was over at um club soda uh, club soda i remember going in there you know scouting things out and i remember somebody sniffed that we don't want him over there maybe they knew i was from commercial radio or something but i remember i got shut down big yeah well if it makes you feel any better the kids that were doing that at the time they were very anti-authority and yeah. uh, you know we yeah. it, you're not alone in being shunned and by paranoid and, yeah they're you know, you know yeah. so don't worry you're not alone. you probably thought you're an it's undercover fine. agent for the fcc or something like that yeah. you know don't worry. Maybe, well, maybe you are right now. No. <laughs> and thank you for being on the podcast. Everybody and have a good week. We'll and we'll, yeah. 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 we'll see you next week. Yeah. But is there, now, in legal terms, is there a low enough frequency where somebody could do that on Block Island without getting in any trouble? Or do you have to have a license technically it's, to do anything uh, over the airwaves? pirate radio. You have to have a license. And, and and there are pirate stations that pop up. There was one uh, when I was, you know, managing in Boston, and it was a pirate station that was somewhere within, you know, the uh, area of, of listenership. And it, it affected the frequency. And we actually did go to the FCC and get them shut down, you know. Oh, they, and they found them? Oh, yeah. They, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wasn't And there was a movie out a few years ago about uh, a true, based on a true story about the boat. I th- was it over in England or something where they parked a boat off the coast and did because they couldn't touch them out in oh. international waters yeah, or something yeah. like that i forget what that was yeah i forget too yeah, but yeah. yeah oh so we could do that just three miles off block island that's it yeah yeah okay yeah so um rebels we we uh again you mentored us buzz in and start getting our podcast started tell us about your new podcast i'd love to hear more oh well thank you first of all for humoring my comments when you guys uh put your podcast we're up. not oh no uh, we you don't understand I, I no we're not idea. blowing smoke no, i am no so idea. uh happy and proud of you guys for what you've achieved and built an audience and and for the quality of the work once again that you're always putting out maybe you lowered your standards a little bit with this one with me but uh nonetheless <laughs> you know, you it doesn't get much lower than the host. No, yeah, you know, no, we're like about as no. low as it gets. If you come in below us, yeah, you know, something's you really wrong. Yeah, no. yeah. So I've launched something called Taken a Walk. T a k i n a walk. Uh, you could you could spell it all as all one word if you want and and find it. And where the idea came from was I had read this book. Uh, it was uh, called Decoding Greatness, and I was searching for what I was going to do next because I had this startup idea uh, that it didn't really work out. We couldn't get funded, so I needed something. I was trying to get my arms around it, so I read this book, uh, and then subsequently I went to Chicago to speak at a conference. Um, on that trip, I walked uh, no lie, I walked for 15 miles in Chicago because we all love great walking cities, 30,000 steps. Uh, New York's a great walking city. Chicago's a great walking city. So there's great, you know, New York is. But there's big cities that are uh, that are great walking cities. There's outdoor places that are great walking places. So as I was on that trip and I had come off of the heels of reading that book, I thought, okay, there's this amazing host who does this thing called Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. He is amazing, 
but the the show's not really about cars and coffee. It's really a terrific host having a compelling conversation with people. So um, as I'm walking, I'm thinking, hey, there's there's the idea. So it's called taking a walk. I walk and talk with interesting people at cool locations, or I walk and talk with cool people at interesting locations. And it just so happens the first one that I recorded, he actually came out as uh, episode three in terms of the releases was with wow. the one and only Rich Trethaway. Yeah, and yeah. That, but that was mm-hmm. the first one that I technically recorded and uh testing out the waters but but you know uh and boy i look back at it and what i've painfully learned the technical aspects of putting a show together that was my next question how do you mic? because i'm the tech guy here how do you mic that and how do you well then it was just uh then i didn't even have a a mic cover I, I used the this device called a Zoom, the Zoom H4, yeah. 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 So I didn't even have the sophistication of a mic cover for for wind yeah. background noises. But the Zoom has a really good uh, condenser mic setup. Since then, I've learned the lesson painfully of of a backup. So I use you know the Zoom, but I'll also through an iPhone have lavalier mics as well so each of us are mic that way but basically there's you know a mic setup and we walk and talk uh, and capture the conversation Um, sometimes it's challenging based on weather conditions Uh, sometimes it's challenging based on what I didn't do correctly on mapping out the the wind conditions and compensating for that so it's been a lot of learning uh a lot of uh improvising along the way um and i've i've walked with a variety of people from yeah, you got good ones on uh, there, yeah. doris kearns goodwin the presidential historian uh and uh pulitzer prize winner um Dan Shaughnessy, who uh, writes for the Boston Globe. It's been a lot of Boston-centric stuff, for, uh, obviously, because that's where, where I am. Who was the retired general? Uh, uh, G- uh, general Jack Hammond, who runs something called uh, the Home Base Program for Mass General and the Boston Red Sox, which is a tremendous collaboration for veterans. So I walked with General uh, Hammond, uh, just walked with Tom Bergeron, who was the host of uh, Dancing with the Stars and America's Funniest Home Video. Um, and uh, a singer-songwriter by the name of Peter Himmelman. I walked up at his place up in uh, upstate New York. Um, So we're spanning different types of people. It can be you know, uh, anybody from, you know, uh, a local character on Block Island by the name of Rich Trethaway, who is, is, is a hardworking, uh, lovable person. Oh, my, shucks. My friend Vinnie O'Neill, who uh, is also a... A realtor, a business guy, owns something called Wicked Dog Apparel. Oh, he in was Boston. great. I loved his episode. You know, so yeah. it could—it's really who I want. Yeah, right. It's just like you guys. You sure. could got, you could have whoever yeah. you want on. Yeah. So so um, I'm you know sort of building the the roster. I've released about twenty episodes already. A lot more in the pipeline. I just got confirmation. Uh, this morning that uh, when I go out for an L.A. trip in a few weeks. That's I'm, fine. I was just going to make a joke that L.A. is not the place to go walk and talk. <laughs> well, L.A. is not a great walking. Sorry. Guys. Yeah, probably not. Uh, Ed Begley Jr. Oh, cool. Uh, we're going to uh, walk and talk. I like I love the concept of it. And when I it's listen great, to yeah. it. Yeah. And when I listen to it, it's just has this authenticity. Like 
in other words, you're not, you know, trying to have this silent studio sound. You're, you, you hear the sounds of where you're walking. And in some cases it's wind and trees and birds. Uh, th- then all of a sudden I was listening to one, you can hear the buses in the background and the trucks going by. And I mean, but it made me feel more immersed in where you were and who you were talking to. Like, yeah, it's kind of cool. It People really, respond you know, to that. Um, there was one that I did um, with Dan Shaughnessy, who I mentioned, and this local uh, uh, bakery uh, owner in Concord near where I live, uh, Bill. Bill said, I think it's funny on the Dan Shaughnessy one how you guys were like walking and you were huffing and puffing. I said, Bill, it's because we're walking. (laughs) (laughs) Now, occasionally it's more of a saunter, depending on who it is. So sauntering is okay as as well, a stroll. Um, But uh, I had a a filmmaker, uh, a woman from Botswana who actually lives. Her name is Tato Mawosa. She has a um, movie called Memoirs of a Black Girl. So uh, she was uh, early on somebody that I walked with but it's really it's been fun i've always at the heart going back to my career in radio i always loved interviews and always you know tried to keep those chops up even when i was in a corporate position i had a couple of podcasts and they were interview based and i tried to just you know kind of be immersed in that and i figured if i was trying to get people on the you know, company side to come along with a podcast initiative, maybe walking the walk, if you will, um, you know, made sense. So um, it's it's been fun. It's a lot of learning and uh, it's, it's you know, more to come with it. Oh, you mentioned, hey, and we gave the tease earlier. Uh, I've got also uh, two others that are set up, one with Billy Payne from Little Feet. We're going to uh, walk and talk um, uh, when they're around the New Jersey, Philadelphia area yeah. coming up in, in April. And uh, I also have a date for Yorma Kaukinen, oh, the founding man. member of uh, Jefferson Airplane yeah, Hot and Hot Tuna. Tuna. So I'm going out to Ohio for that one. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff uh, in the pipeline that we've now got commitments to. It takes a while to get people to commit, and but I'm really excited about these. That sounds – I'm going to – I'm listening uh, yeah, today. No, it's good. I, I enjoy it. It's and very nice. if you ever get the chance to walk and talk with Dylan, you take that shot of whiskey this time. You got right? that right. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I'll yeah. have a flask. Yeah. And keep the, it <laughs> While not as famous, there's definitely some more Block Island folks to be fun to take a walk with, I think, Damn too. Damn straight. So um, yeah. how – all right. So taking a walk – and you're up on most platforms. Well, I'm up on every platform. Okay, yep. great. So yep. that's all I do. And the is website is takingawalk.com as well. So every episode is up there. And you go by Buzz Night. Yes, that's right. right. Taking a walk with Buzz Night. That's right. And you all know the explanation now. Yeah. yeah. Although Vinny Vinny disclosed uh, uh, Bob Kosak, I think in that episode. So we, we don't. What care. was Whatever. Vinny's nickname? I forget. He, uh, well, he, Skinny Vinny. Skinny Vinny. Yeah. <laughs> it was Skinny a good, Vinny. Yeah. Skinchenzo. Skinchenzo. Skin-chenzo. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. There's some entertaining stuff in there. That so is good. Yeah, please. You know, if you enjoy podcasts, I think you'll enjoy uh, Buzz's. It's really good. Taking a walk on all platforms. But um, thank you. What do you think? We're getting near the end of our time. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here, and we like to do a little thing called the lightning round at the end. Uh, just silly questions, nothing important, just whatever comes uh, to the top of I'm here. blushing already. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, just wait. Um, so let's see. Who's? Uh... I'll, you want me to start? Sure, I'll start. you start. Okay, Buzz. Shellfish, raw or cooked? Cooked. Best concert ever. Wow. I'm going to go with that little feed at the University of Cincinnati Fieldhouse. 
Good call. Um, if you were to write a book, what would it be about? Oh, it would have to be the cool people that I've been fortunate to run into over my life. It's going to be a long book. About yeah. us, mostly, Mark. Right, exactly. You guys we get our own there. chapter. Uh, ferry or plane? Ferry. Would you rather travel to the past or the future? Oh, I would rather be in the present. Wow. That is a, that's a great answer. Okay, <laughs> good. All right, fill in the blank. Taylor Swift is gorgeous. Hey, good one. And what is the least likely word someone would use to describe you? Least likely? Because the first thing I went to was imbecile. <laughs> uh, normal. Good. Ah, Nobody good wants answer. to be that anyway. Right. No, right? it's overrated. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. This has been well, so fun. Yeah, great. Thank you so yeah. much for taking time. Oh, yeah, uh, the flying colors. Yeah, I'd this say we learned some... a few things yeah, again definitely. once again. Where do I claim my prize? That's what great. I want to know. Right well, at the end of the driveway. Well, all of these mirrors, <laughs> should take your pick. What, you know. <laughs> I really <laughs> appreciate like the... this. You are the prize, Buzz. You are the prize. <laughs> oh, you're yeah. the best. Yeah. Thank you. Well, all right, listeners, thanks for listening to our interview here with Bob. Uh, great conversation. I really enjoyed it. As usual, learned a little bit. Uh, reach out to us anytime. Questions, comments, requests. Requests, uh, you can reach us at our email at two guys on bi at gmail.com. Yeah, and don't forget to follow us on all of the uh, proper social media channels. And uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and really tell all your friends. I, I, that's the most important thing, right? Just let them know how much you like listening to all this great chat about Block Island and, and other stuff, too. If you, if you like us, maybe they will, too. And we appreciate anything you can do yeah. to get people on board listening to our podcast. Oh. Thank you so much. And I guess that wraps it up. So I guess we'll see you next time. That's right. Another week gone by. All right, Rich. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Hey, Rich. Yes. Do you think that we could get Buzz to uh, put on his uh, broadcaster voice and talk with us like this for a second? Yeah, why not? Hey, uh, Buzz, how's your uh, broadcasting <laughs> voice these days? Uh, I think the pipes are still intact. <laughs> Excellent. That's more than I can say for myself. Give us a, on behalf of Two Guys on Block Island, signing off. On behalf of Two Guys on Block Island, signing off. Woohoo! Woo! What shall we do with the ship? Say, what shall we do with the ship?